With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere, and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. everybody, I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast series three. For those of you that don't know, this is the podcast where I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors and all experts in the field of health and fitness. I'm really excited that you guys are joining me. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast series three. I have yet another return guest to the podcast today, purely because, truth be told, when I find a good one, I like them to come back and keep spreading their message. So, Graham Tomlinson, also known as the Fitness Chef on Instagram, those of you who listened to our first chat on the podcast will know that he's been considering changing it for a while now, hasn't quite yet though, uh, is a nutritionist, a best selling author, and like myself, an evidence based coach. He has an amazing following and amazing content. So if you don't follow him at The Fitness Chef, do it today. Welcome back to the podcast, Graham. How's it going? Great to be back. That was that was quite an introduction. Hope it lives up to that. <laughs> oh, it will. I mean, this is the thing, right? So I've been following you for a few years now, and I've always loved what you've done. And I've watched your following grow and grow and grow. Like You have like an astronomically high following now, which is great because you totally deserve it. And everything you put out is like, it's just so important, I think, in terms of like physical health and mental health and your approach to food and your approach to dieting. But I have to say, like, are you seeing like the snowball effect your end? Are you seeing it all kind of kicking off? Yeah. So I guess I've been doing it for nearly three years now, really. And yeah, it kind of started out as something that was almost just like a hobby on the side of being a personal trainer, you know, uploading these posts. And then I guess they, they just started to snowball within two or three months and they just haven't stopped. But I think um, as the pages evolved, I've actually upped the quality of the content as well. And I think that's that's kind of made a difference and kept it evolving, so to speak. But I put so much time into it, like you say, and probably go that extra mile that some other people maybe wouldn't. Um, and I think maybe that's the reason that it kind of, kind of pays off, but it also helps coming on, you know, things like your podcast and yeah. things like that. To, to, to build I love it. I, t- I try to only give, like, I, I try to only have people on who know way more than me and who I really look up to and really, really respect, obviously, or one of them. So I guess, well, okay, why don't we start with this? Um, just like last time, do you want to introduce yourself, explain exactly what it is that you do and how this all came to be for you? I guess it, I've been a personal trainer now going on six six years um, and I'm not actually doing personal training anymore. I just started off, I, I was playing cricket for years and years and years and I decided that there wasn't much money in it <laughs> and I was, I was going to the gym Cut a long story short, did an online PT course, which was rubbish. And that was the same one as James Smith. I think we were speaking about that. Yeah, so I was a personal trainer for three or four years, but I always kind of had the idea of, of having like an online business because I was seeing others in the industry kind of, you know, making lots of money and also just growing and building a following. Yeah. And I guess I was trying to do that not very successfully for a long time until two or three years ago. So now I I'd probably class myself as somebody who doesn't necessarily coach people individually, but as someone who is by virtue of my kind of Instagram posts and, and things like that has got two books, which is obviously helping people all over the world. And 
designing an app as well, which is basically a, a tool to help people achieve their goals in terms of yeah. tracking calories and just making it as, as easy as possible. Yeah. Um, so it all comes back to the simple principle of, of a very kind of simple message to people and trying to, trying to make it as easy as possible for them to achieve their goals. So as my title, I don't really know, <laughs> but that's kind of sums it up. You know, interesting. I think you follow him, Dr. Bill Campbell of USF. Do you follow yeah. him? Yeah. I know that he follows you because we talked about you a little bit over. So now I'm like kind of, oh my God, he's like my hero. He's my actual <laughs> hero. And now we're like pen pals. And we were talking about Brilliant. you the other day and he was saying that he loves your content and he thinks you're fantastic. And he says, yeah. and I agree with this, what people don't realize on Instagram, especially is like how much work goes into creating one informative post I don't mean like here's a photo of me and my ass I mean like here is just even something as simple as and this is one of your favorites like toast and Nutella uh toast and avocado um the different calorie and macro breakdowns the Bennett the nutritional breakdowns of both and like you know your advice on how to approach it that in and of itself will likely take you at least an hour so if you're talking about like you're putting up, you've got a full-time job and you're putting up two or three posts like that a day, it's like really, really hard work to stay on top of and to keep going keep and to keep also thinking of like fresh content. So how do you do it? Like how do you approach your posting and, and yeah. going about fresh content? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So in the last year and a half or so, I have reposted some old content or slightly modified old content to make it slight, slightly more relevant. Yeah, it takes a long time because, for example, last night's post, which was comparing lots of different foods and just <laughs> that took so long. It Not gave only, me a headache it, looking you know, at it. Yeah, I, looking back at it, it's like that in itself could almost be turned into a short book. <laughs> because, um, and also, um, I think that the algorithm is helped by the fact that Unfortunately, some people who are still a little bit misinformed about this will pipe up in the comment section and go ballistic when they see it on the explore page. And I think that probably helps it go out to more people. So they're, they're probably doing me a favor, even though they don't want to. But this is the thing, like there's so many different ways to approach it. There is there's a strong argument. So for example, before I came on this, I was doing a live with my with my online clients. And one of them was asking me about fasted cardio and fed cardio. And I was basically saying how, you know, obviously fasted cardio has shown to um, oxidize, you know, more fat. Uh, but when you compare kind of the weekly fat loss of somebody who's doing fasted cardio and fed cardio, all calories equal, all cardio minutes the same, they lose the same amount. And I was trying yeah. to explain it. And I was like, this is one of those occasions where you can say calories are king here. Now, of course, that doesn't apply if you're talking to nutrition and the nutritional benefits of some points. I mean, we had this conversation in our last podcast, are all calories created equal? Um, and that's when people can get really, really het up in starting talking about nutrition and vice versa. So kind of what is your approach on calories and nutrition? How do you approach these two topics that kind of are different and yet are both equally important? Yeah, I think, it, to be honest, it would be a lot easier if we maybe, instead of people saying calories are equal or calories aren't equal, why don't they change the word calories and just replace it with the word food? Because yeah. I, I don't know why... Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to explain because a calorie is a unit of measurement like a phone is a phone. It is what it is. And I don't understand why um, the kind of micronutrients and fiber and all that kind of thing is even related to calories. It's just another facet of a different food. So if you compared Nutella or avocado, you would see that the avocado has got a lot more micronutrients, fiber, um, beneficial fats in there that Nutella doesn't have. But if both of them in their portion sizes equate to 200 calories, those calories are still 200. And yeah, I think what a lot of people mean is that some food sources don't have many nutrients. Yeah. So they call them empty calories and maybe claim that all calories aren't equal, but just that the macronutrients might be different in the different yep. foods and the micronutrients might be less or more. Um, yeah. so yeah, I love it. Like, but this is why your content is so good. Cause you do, you make it so kind of black and white and easily digestible. And, and this is, I think what, why, I mean, your Instagram page and, and your following has just become like so huge because it's easy to understand and take in. And that's what people need now. Yeah. So, so I think let's just jump right in. Tis the season. Can you explain to my audience why a detox 
isn't uh, <laughs> isn't a necessary diet, shall we say, for people to be following, even though they're everywhere in January? What uh, an evidence-based doctor would, would likely say is that you've already got detoxing mechanisms in your body through working organs. So um, yeah, as long as they're doing their job, you don't need any detoxes. The one thing that I kind of really have a problem with is that a lot of these products that have detox on the label, a lot of the companies, if you interviewed them to say, you know, can you name any of these toxins that are in the body that you're eliminating? They can't. No, of course. And the reason they can't is because it's never been tested because, yeah, they just, it's impossible to. As long as you're alive and you're living, your body is constantly trying to uh, keep you in a happy, healthy state of homeostasis. And you might not be because, you know, it depends how well you're taking care of it, but your body is its own detox machine and of course you know if you try and eat healthy and you try and exercise and you make sure that you're kind of giving your body the best that you can give it of course you're putting it in in kind of a much better position to be able to kind of detox and clean itself up essentially so to speak but until the day you die your body is detoxing itself so if someone were to come to you and say i've been eating too much eating crap drinking too much, both my body and my brain just feel like utter hell. What would you recommend that they do uh, both physically and mentally to feel better instead of detoxing? Yeah. So instead of detoxing, we'd obviously explain, explain that and hope that that message um, kind of hammers home the fact that, you know, if according to these products, if you didn't take them, you would die because <laughs> you would have a constant buildup of toxins and you'd die. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen. No. For the reasons you just mentioned, but um, yeah, it, it would be identifying, you know, why they why they feel like crap. Where, you know, is it maybe it's not necessarily their diet? Maybe they're only sleeping for five and a half hours a night, or maybe they're having disturbed sleep, things like that. Maybe it's it's a deeper rooted kind of psychological problem or emotional problem where they're going through you know some sort of trauma or a tough time. So you know, even asking those uncomfortable questions might be useful. Um, to get to the root of it but you're right I think normally when someone's in that kind of situation something has kind of something's maybe out of control or, or spiraled in a way and it could be like you're saying there the, the diet could be completely kind of off grid and they could just be consuming pizzas or burgers and chocolate and not kind of consuming anywhere near the amount of nutrients yeah and um, that they need to kind of support their functional health so yeah it would be useful to know what they're eating in a day and try and make small changes as possible because the last thing that's going to work for somebody who's in a really bad place is a massive change. So, you know, flipping 180 degrees, it's maybe looking to make small changes often um, that build up over time, depending on what the goal was, whether it was, you know, to lose weight or, or maintain or gain weight, you know, we would look at that as well. Yeah, well, because they say that I'm not happy where I'm at. Uh, you know, what do I need to do? And you say, well, what, what do you want to do? And let, let's try for X, Y, and Z. Exactly what you said. You, you try and make some good changes. Like I always say for my clients, non-negotiable is that they get fruit and veg in every day. And that kind of makes it easier. And then obviously after a period of time, I have clients who say, well, I want to get more specific about this physique goal or about this health goal or whatever it might be, managing something that they're trying to get on top of. And then we can get more specific. But generally speaking, yeah, you basically, I give them kind of non-negotiable boxes that they have to tick again like minimum protein fruit and veg and then I basically say okay now go make it fit with your life today's podcast is brought to you by athletic greens a comprehensive daily nutritional beverage with so many stresses in life it can be really difficult to get in enough fruit and veg aka your micronutrients that your body really needs this is where athletic greens can come in and help their daily all-in-one greens powder is simply added to your day-to-day life with zero fuss just one scoop of athletic greens contains 75 vitamins minerals and whole food sourced ingredients including a multivitamin a multi-mineral probiotic green superfood blend and more all working together to fill in any nutritional gaps that might be in your diet. It can increase energy, focus, increase digestion, and will support a healthy immune system without the need for you to take multiple supplements or worry too much. 
Athletic Greens is one formula based on the latest research, investing in absorbable and natural sources of each ingredient and going above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure that their customers receive a high-quality supplement. It is paleo, it's vegan, it's dairy-free and gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar. And right now, Athletic Greens will support your immune system during the winter months by offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for performance or health, just cover your bases with Athletic Greens and it will help you achieve it. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash podcast and join health experts, athletes and people around the world who want to make a daily commitment to their health. Again, you simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash podcast and get your free year supply of vitamin d and five free travel packs today what would you say is the most common question that you get asked from people on instagram or or clients of the past um the most common yeah so there's probably been a lot more dms um (laughs) and it's it, it can range from things like yeah, I'm I'm eating X calories per day, but I'm not losing weight is a common yeah. one, and and you know some of these figures are something like a thousand calories or eight hundred. So without even knowing that individual's weight, I know that for anybody on earth that's an adult, you know, over the age of sixteen, that would definitely be a calorie deficit, regardless yeah. of their activity level. The, the short answer is, you know, as much as you think you're probably hitting that target, you're simply not. So whether that's that you've put in the wrong information to the calorie calculator and it's giving you the wrong target, or you're just not tracking the actual amount of calories that you're, you're eating. That would be my kind of answer to that. It's, I think a lot, a lot of people think they're doing the right thing, but actually the adherence just isn't there because the accuracy of measurement isn't necessarily there. Um, another common question is obviously, how, how would I lose weight? I've tried everything. And it's like, well, Name all the things that you've tried. Never do them again. Um, how about you, you try something something different? And it could be, you know, like you're saying, even if you're not even looking at the calorie target, going for a walk each day or you know, yeah. eating more, more vegetables, eating more protein. And that individual might feel fuller just from that. But I do think it's, it's really important to put them into bed with the, the principle to start with. You know, if it is weight loss, it's a calorie deficit. But the way you stick to that is the way that suits your life better. Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably the main questions which are probably centered around weight loss, which is kind of sad in a, in a way. It's such a simple thing, such a simple principle that so many people have been confused over the years um, with the, the fitness industry. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get on to that. I'm going to ask you about you know dieting we're gonna we will talk about that because obviously it is now 2021 and this started happening last year and it seems to be snowballing you know uh the anti-diet movement which in if you look at it in one context is brilliant and it's been a long time coming and if you look at it in another context it's actually doing a little bit of harm and in that context i mean in terms of like the self-love community and and we will get onto it um but i just wanted to echo what graham just said in terms of i get that too the, the number one thing i have is clients coming in to my coaching and being like I've been on 800 calories (laughs) which I can't even tell I mean I don't even let's just say that's the most ridiculous thing ever and again what Graham said it's so upsetting one you're not hitting 800 calories you're either not adhering you're not realizing that you're not adhering you know like you're not (laughs) tracking accurately all calorie and macro breakdowns are a guess because you know a bomb calorimeter isn't a human being isn't a human body so we could talk about caloric availability but essentially if you think you're eating uh, anywhere really typically as a woman under 1200 calories as a fully grown woman and you're gaining or not losing weight you're not hitting those numbers so when it comes to taking care of your body and I do mean specifically in terms of nutrition what are your top tips for people when you're like okay nutritionally speaking these like I just said kind of some of mine what are your non-negotiables these are the things that I want you to hit as a healthy individual so I would definitely recommend as many pieces of fruit and vegetable a day as you, you possibly can. And for most people, it's not going to mean, you know, particular something like 40 pieces of fruit. It's, it's probably going to be up to sort of 10 or something like that. But yeah, a minimum of five. Saying, saying to somebody a salad per day 
I think Jordan Sayat often says that on his social media. And I, I absolutely agree with that because the, the salad can go with any meal, whether it be lunch or dinner. And often, unless you've got things like avocado in there that are calorie dense, they're going to be low in calories anyway. So they can accompany anything at, at the expense of, say, 50, 100 calories. And as you see there, it's boosting up your, your functional health with those micronutrients. Um, and also the water, you know, depending on how, how much you exercise, a minimum of two to three liters. But if you're exercising, you know, for example, going on long runs or general training, you're probably going to need to consume more. Um, and then the third one would be minimum of eight hours sleep, which is easier said than done. You know, if you're like a, a new parent, <laughs> um, yeah, those, those three things don't even relate to any kind of diet industry rhetoric at all, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. an easy way to consume more nutrients, an easy way to, to stay hydrated and an easy way to, to get enough sleep. And just from those things over time, you might not see a difference physically or feel a difference physically in, in a few days, but if you keep doing them over time. You probably will, will see a difference. Um, and that's just very, very basic kind of yeah. intervention to improve somebody's, somebody's overall health. And you, you can talk about things like stress um, management and, and things like that, but that's not really my expertise, but doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't address them when you're you know, speaking to somebody. Um, because even just by addressing it might get them to start thinking about it. Think, well, hang on, these triggers here at work is the reason why I'm going home and feeling like crap and maybe eating four donuts or this kind of thing. And maybe just identifying causes for kind of being unhappy. Um, yeah. Being, being self-sabotaging. Yeah. You're completely right. I, I'm not, you know, Matthew Walker, I'm not a sleep expert, you know, I, I can't, you know, speak on, I mean, there's, there's obviously we're not, we're not experts in like every single field just because we're qualified to do a certain job and, and hopefully do it well. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take into account all of these variables and all of these nuances to try and get your clients the best results possible. And I love that you touch on sleep and water, you know, not necessarily things that people would expect you or I to be talking about. It is so important to look at to look at the broad spectrum of health and away from just kind of calories and macros, like what else is important for the body? Um, so, okay, we've covered the physicality, which I love. I love that answer. Um, when it comes to, your, to taking care of your body long-term and your mental health long-term, what are your recommendations in terms of how you approach your dietary intake, how you can make this fit with your life? You kind of touched on it already, but by all means, expand on it. How can you approach this in a way that you're going to be happy and mentally at peace? with it so those bits that we just touched upon there are kind of basic things for, for anybody that's, that's living whereas for somebody who then develops a goal where they want to maintain weight lose weight gain weight whatever that is then obviously they have to look at things like calorie intake macronutrient intake things like that yeah longer term the more the more basic the information that you take in is and obviously useful information is going to be better for you long-term. So for example, if you have a person A who has tried 12 different diets, hated them all, has obviously been quite traumatized by those diets and not necessarily at peace, probably haven't made any progress with whatever dietary goal they had, whether it was to just um, improve their overall health or lose weight or gain muscle or whatever it is. Um, if you have another person who fortunately or by their own sort of willingness to source evidence-based information understands the basic principles required to lose weight calorie deficit or um, gain muscle which is obviously calorie surplus and you know progressive overload with training that's a little bit more intricate yeah. um for, for longer longer term is de it's definitely going to be more useful to be that second person but what we don't have any control over is how people interpret information so the yeah. person A, if you told them, listen, this is how easy it can be to lose weight. You know, this is what you need, a calorie deficit. This is a really easy way for you to adhere to it. It's going to be more enjoyable than these other methods. That person could just still select those other methods for the rest of their life and just keep yo-yoing and just keep being, um, keep ignoring what you're telling them. Whereas the, the other person, if they actually listen, listen to you and take it in and follow through with it, and then they see the results from that, then, you know, that's, that's the kind of difference. You're kind of 
waiting for the, for the individual to make their own mind up. Um, yeah. But also that second person could easily just for whatever reason, lose motivation or just not really want to follow through with the goal. So, you know, you've got to take that into consideration as well. Um, that adherence is, is based on kind of consistency and determination as well. So to, to be at peace, I guess, number one is to understand what you're doing is actually correct. For example, we're harking back to weight loss again. Sorry, but oh, it, no, if, but it always, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's because it's what we get asked about most frequently. So without even trying, we always just kind of revert back to it because we're used to answering it. But I yeah. understand what you're saying. It's not necessarily yeah. the be all and end all. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. You know, if, if one person who's been told somewhere that on the ketogenic diet, they can actually eat in a calorie surplus, but if they eliminate carbohydrates, they'll lose fat is categorically false information. Yeah. You can look anywhere online. You can go on PubMed, systematic reviews, meta-analysis, right? every single item of weight loss comes back to calorie deficit. So that's false. But that individual could just carry on with that. And you've got no control over that. You can't control people's minds. <laughs> um, whereas another individual could look at that and think, hmm, that says calorie surplus, calorie deficit is what I'm seeing everywhere else here. So I'm probably not going to do that. And follow that advice. I think in terms of, of longer term peace is knowing within yourself that what you're doing firstly is going to work and then finding a solution that you enjoy to do that. So, you know, if it was something like upping your nutrient intake, you're obviously going to identify um, fruits and vegetables that you enjoy, yeah. you know, rather than get a rigid diet plan from somebody that says you have to eat X, Y, and Z, you're probably just going to you know, realize that you don't like those foods instead. I know a brilliant answer. And it's so funny. It's the, it's the approach of, well, it works for me. So I don't mind yeah. so much when clients have this approach. Cause I'm like, okay, well now I'm going to educate you as to why it works for you. And then I'll let you carry on. That's fine. As long as they know, I let them carry on. It's working fine. Yeah. The thing that my biggest bugbear is when like PTs and coaches use their, well, it works for me. So approach and then part it on the clients, because I completely agree with you. It should all start as a foundation of understanding of calorie balance, you know, energy balance and, you know, maybe like a really rudimental, uh, just quick rundown of macronutrients and micronutrients, why they're important. And then go away now and make it fit for your life. Like now, you know, go make it, go make it work. But, you know, when I hear somebody be like, this is what I did. So I know that it works. I'm like, uh, that's, that's usually a pretty bad sign. We should probably start on science and then say why what you did worked. Because unless you're a bodybuilder or a physique athlete of any kind or an athlete of any kind, you don't need to be pedantic about splitting up these things. You just need ballparks. You need ballpark non-negotiables. And pretty much everyone can get in killer shape, whether it's like in terms of your you know, strength and fitness or in terms of your physique. You don't need to get really, really specific and dial in. And this is a mistake that I used to make when I first started out coaching. Is that I kind of thought that everybody's goal was my goal. And then I didn't feel very fulfilled with my job because, of course, it wasn't. And then I felt let down. And I think my clients probably felt like I was a bit savage, although they never said anything. Yeah. Um, and I look at it now and I'm like, oh, God, but it's a learning curve. And this is where experienced coaches, I think, really are better than any any other coach you're going to find. I, I did that as well for like what one, two, maybe even three years at the start of my um, coaching career when I was training people. They would come in and, and you know, they would say, they would almost almost feel scared to sit to tell me whether they'd kind of stuck to what I gave them, which would be some kind of meal plan, which I'd kind of produced for them. But it's, it's, just thinking logically, if that was me now, it's like, you know, what if I didn't want to eat salmon on Monday night with green beans and <laughs> potatoes? What what if I fancied you know chicken, a stir fry or something? And and yeah. and the problem is things as stupid as that. You know, if somebody. They didn't eat that salmon that night. They'd probably email me and go, am I, good? am I still going to be on track here? Blah, blah, blah. So they're yeah. going to get caught up in the things that don't really matter, such yeah. as meal timings. Am I eating too few calories and things like that when actually it's the bigger picture that just needs to be the focus the whole time? Yeah, it's so funny. Emma and I are going to do a podcast on this next week. I'm a bit nervous about it, but I also am like really excited about saying it. My biggest career regret was my first book, The Four Week Body Blitz. I mean... I, I will go into detail as to why and kind of 
when I look back on it now, how much I would, I mean, I would change the whole thing. And thank God it led me to having my last three books, which I'm, I'm a huge champion of and I love and they tell people yeah. to do it in the right way. And we were saying, it's funny because if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been able to produce three other books that I'm really, really proud of. I never would have met Emma. I never would have met you. I wouldn't have the coaching platform with her that I have now or the podcast. And it's out there and it's a bit like cringe, but it's out there. Because of that, I made sure I did my next three books really responsibly. And, you know, they've all, all sold as well. So that's okay. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think this is part of the course of being a coach. Absolutely. And yeah, you say, you look back at that and you just think, well, for, for four weeks, some people definitely would have enjoyed that out there. Yeah, you know, now it's, it's, it's not to say that, you know, the long, slow, gradual, enjoyable, effective way of doing it works for everyone either. So just because yeah. this is the most logical way, there will be people out there that would probably look at that and go, hmm, I really want to do that for four weeks and might see it as a challenge to themselves. So it's as much as you, we could get in our high horses now and say that, oh God, that, that book, I, I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, well, actually, it's probably, it's probably still some people out there who might actually enjoy doing it. You know, it's, it's everybody's different. I love and appreciate that response. And I think it's true that I have a very, like, I don't know, I'm quite, I'm quite savage when I have a goal and most <laughs> people aren't, but some people are like that. And this actually, and I've written a post on this recently because I think women like that are getting a really hard time of it now, especially in the media and on social media that like, if you're a woman with a physique goal, you're basically doing women a disservice. And it really upsets me because it's just, it could not be, the beauty of humanity is in the variety of humanity. We're all driven differently. We all have different approaches to things. And that's what's so wonderful. And I think trying to kind of, this is just from a female perspective, as a female coach, lump women into this category of we should all essentially give up and be happy. It doesn't apply to a lot of people. That would make a lot of women unhappy. And it brings me nicely onto my, my next kind of question. As a coach, I get very frustrated with the self-love anti-diet community. Don't get me wrong. I am all for self-love and I hate fad diets, but specifically the community that's saying, don't change what you eat, learn to love yourself instead and just get on with your life. The fact is that there are plenty of people out there who do need to change what they eat in order to love themselves and happily get on with their life. And I speak from nine years of coaching experience and thousands of female clients. So I suppose what I want to ask you here, Graham, is what does the word diet mean to you? Because I think this is where people first start to get their wires crossed. <laughs> yeah, good question. The, the word diet me, uh, to me means just that you're eating food. <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> because, because, you know, every diet's got a specific name, but it's based on the word diet, which is what, it, what you know, it's, it's eating food. That's all it is. Um I think with this anti-diet thing, I you know, or thing, that sounds a bit disrespectful, but you almost have to separate it into psychological aspects of it and then this the science. So it's it's a little bit like veganism in a way that it's a kind of moral choice. Mm -hmm. So to be vegan, which is nobody can argue with that. But when vegans would come in and say, actually, no, you have to go vegan because of this science. Look, eating meat does this, X, Y, and Z, you're like, well, actually, hang on a minute. <laughs> that's quite a blanket statement meat is a broad yeah. term are you referring to highly processed burgers from mcdonald's or a lean chicken breast yeah. when you differentiate both of them then do some studies and then get some meta-analysis then you can come back and claim that meat is bad um which isn't going to happen because you know it's not no <laughs> but anyway sorry to get back to this i think with the anti-diet movement where it loses a lot of its credibility is that again it's trying to use science and evidence to enhance its kind of reputation, which I there's just none there. I mean, I, I guess the evidence that they're using is diets don't work or all diets fail, including a calorie deficit. And when they start coming out with statements like that, whether it be from you know influencers that are in that movement or wherever it comes out from, it just loses credibility. Yeah. Um, going off on tangents there, if somebody what you know you could definitely be benefited by adhering to. Some of the messaging of anti-diet, which is, you know, eating foods that you enjoy, avoiding fad diets, yeah. um, improving your relationship with, with food, things like that. But like you're saying there, for people who actually do want to alter their physique or composition or have different goals, some of the messaging is a bit extreme. It's almost instructing people, don't do it. Yeah. But if someone did do it, it might actually improve their, their life as well. So both yeah. ways it could improve someone's happiness, but 
unfortunately, there's that extreme message in there, which is suggesting that nobody will ever be happy if they ever go on any kind of diet. I, I love that. I love that. And you're completely right. We've just just these big generalizations and blanket statements. And I hate to say it, they do tend to be aimed at women. And there's something viscerally sexist in that. I find that like really, really maddening. And then every time I speak up against it, like I'm gobby or or I'm ranty. And I'm like, I'm fucking neither. I'm evidence-based <laughs> and I'm driven. So it's really, it's really, it's really nice to hear your take on it, like match up so nicely with with the female coaches I know. Um I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Acast recommends podcasts we love. I'm Sam Bungie, one of the hosts of West Cork, a story about a community on the far south coast of Ireland that became a kind of paradise for people looking for a fresh start. And nobody knew their past. You could be who you wanted to be rather than who you really were. Then one newcomer was murdered and another was suspected of doing it. I see him in the market and really he's always trying to be normal and trying to get people to like him. But we all know. Listen to West Cork now on Acast. Acast powers the world's best podcasts, including the Irish History Podcast, The Two Johnnies, and the one you're listening to right now. What's your take on on a keto diet? You know what, let's just go through a few of the popular diets. What is your take on a keto diet? What is your take on a vegan diet? What is your take on the Atkins diet? And feel free to just slowly go through them. <laughs> um, yeah, well, keto, well, with all of them, if, if somebody feels that they enjoy doing it and it's, it's going to achieve their goal, I would say go and, go and do it. You know, I'm not going to stop you. But um, in terms of keto, or again, in terms of all of them, I would say none of them are actually necessary for, for any goal, I don't think. You know, most people would probably do them because they want to lose weight. And getting back to that again. Yeah, so the Atkins Keto, I guess most people would be doing them for a kind of competitional goal. Veganism is probably more marketed to, to trying to tell people that they'll be healthier being vegan. I would say that the, the, all of these diets are not necessary. And a lot of people seem to believe that it's keto that makes them achieve the goal or Atkins. Yeah or being vegan anything like that but it's actually not it's it's um something much more simple than that and yeah the, the point i was making somebody commented on one of my uh, tiktok videos that you know his doctor recommended he go on the keto diet to you know treat his diabetes kind of manage type 2 diabetes and try and reverse it he had seen some great results with that so he was quite abusive in his comments to me but what i was actually trying to get from him was okay do you realize what, how you've actually reversed that type 2 diabetes. It's, it's been largely with a calorie deficit. Now, there's a lot of ongoing research with type 2 diabetes going, but what we're starting to see is that a lot of the, the cause of type 2 is actually fat buildup around the abdomen, particularly the pancreas, so that when insulin is, is released or insulin might not be released or when it is, it might not work as effectively. And that can be one of the main triggers for type 2 along with genetics. So... Once you've got type 2 diabetes, you're kind of told to manage your sugar intake. And, and that's true to an extent. You know, not having large meals is, is going to help. But <laughs> the thing is, it's to reverse it. It's probably going to be reversing what caused it is, is going to help. So going in a calorie deficit, losing weight and in the visceral fat around the, the pancreas is probably going to eventually dissipate as well. And from there, a lot there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that could be one of the main aids to, to reversing type 2 diabetes, not necessarily eliminating sugar altogether through keto or banning carbs, um, but in, in fact, just losing weight and allowing the pancreas to actually function a little bit better. So that's a kind of idea the keto diet is kind of used to treat, you know, disease now, used to treat illness, which is even more ridiculous than it's used to treat kind of weight loss. You know, 
banning carbohydrates to go into ketosis and the idea that if you consume more fat, you'll burn more fat kind of totally ignores the fact that any calorie source you consume could turn to fat, whether it be protein, carbs or fat. So yeah, and the Atkins is, is fairly similar to that. Keto is almost like the love child of Atkins, isn't it? The new trendy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, and I would, I would much rather that people were on Atkins than, than keto anyway. What I find really interesting with keto is the amount of people, I mean, they can't be just lying on social media, but the amount of people that claim that they're in a massive calorie surplus on keto, but have lost, you know, two stone in six months or something. It's like, if, if that person actually really? believes that, it's... Really? <laughs> what, yeah, and that's what I can't understand is sure that individual must kind of understand that they must be eating you know less than they were before they claim to be eating more but they they can't be they cannot be unless they're not human (laughs) i mean that may all i can do is laugh when people say they're in like a quote-unquote calorie surplus and they're losing weight well you're not because even if you're even if you think you're in a calorie surplus if you're losing weight you're not (laughs) and and I mean, look, let's just talk about two reasons why the ketogenic diet might work or might not work in terms of fat loss, okay? If it does work, it's because you've pulled a nutrient being carbohydrates and also protein because if you're on, if you're on a real ketogenic diet, you ain't getting protein in. Um, and if you are, it is minimal. I mean, I think the, the definition of it would be somewhere calories from fat being somewhere around 80%, calories from protein being somewhere around 15%, and calories from carbs being somewhere around 5%. Yeah. Um, that's real ketosis because obviously through a process called gluconeogenesis, your body will convert protein into glucose to kind of help you with energy. The reason why that might put you in a calorie deficit for fat loss is because you've pulled out two, two nutrients, basically proteins and carbs, and you're left with one. So there's one. And the second reason, well, no, sorry, the other reason why it actually might mean that you're gaining weight is because fats are nine calories per gram, which is more than double of what proteins and carbs are per gram. So it can go either way. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely not the be all and end all diet to lose weight. And I love how you just kind of broke down type two diabetes. And, and I, it's, you're completely right for anyone out there who is suffering from type two diabetes or knows somebody that is, and is thinking that keto might be the right diet for you. Basically, exactly what Graham said, like, when you have type two diabetes, what that tends to mean, and what pretty much every research study shows is that it tends to be in obesogenic individuals, which means you have subcutaneous fat, you know, a lot of it, which is the fat that you can see that you can jiggle, which then means that you're much more likely to have more visceral fat, which is fat which is stored behind the abdominal cavity around the organs. When this starts to build up, fatty acids are released into blood. And that basically means that you start to become insulin resistant, which is when you eat carbohydrates, uh, your body, uh, well, your insulin isn't having much luck in driving it into uh, the cells of the body. And the best way, exactly what Graham said, to reverse this is not by going on a ketogenic diet. It's about losing body fat to regain insulin sensitivity. And it's so funny that these these diets are just being hailed as kind of metabolic syndrome fixes. And it's just so ridiculous. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, the keto diet, they're, they're claiming, yeah, for weight loss. But oh, hang on a minute, when someone has type 2 diabetes, you know, sugar can become a bit of an issue because of obviously the oh, of course is much higher with, with, with sugar or carbohydrates than it is with other macros. So yes, we'll just say that keto is good for that because we ban sugar. So you can see how, you know, little pieces of the jigsaw go and fit into different pieces of someone's overall health, whether it be type two, weight loss. And they're just going around, sneaking around, kind of planting their seeds <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, just like you say, you know, in both those cases, body composition and type two diabetes, keto is not the defining factor there. It's probably calories in versus calories out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And it's yeah. so funny how people jump to insulin response before they look at what happens before then when you look at all these kind of kind of quote-unquote fad diets or kind of very open and shut approaches to diet are there any that you would say you know in your given your line of work like actually can work really well for clients that you're like well that's not too bad I can kind of get on board with that I think the, the only one that has some some credibility would be intermittent fasting because yes. all you're doing is reducing the amount of time that you're you're eating you know your eating window instead of it being 12 14 hours is going to be eight or depending on which one you do um 
So yeah, and that inadvertently can help somebody lose weight. You know, for example, most people would just skip breakfast. Um, yeah, and, you know, and start eating at, at lunchtime. And if somebody did that without even looking at the calories they're eating, the likelihood is that they would possibly lose weight because in that eight-hour window, unless they made up those calories, you know, they would be in a calorie deficit. But the problem yeah. with it again is the fact that you're not you're not tracking it. Um, so if yeah. you were to do intermittent fasting, I definitely recommend that you still have an idea of how many overall calories that you're you're eating because you know you could end up in those eight hours consuming much more calories and being in a surplus but if you've invested in intermittent fasting and just thought right it's all about meal timing it's all about how long you fast that's what makes me lose weight you're completely again out of bed with the principle of of what's required yeah full circle right back to one of the first points you made is like understanding the foundation of Mm. why is the diet successful before then choosing the diet that works for you um one question i had for you and i get this from clients all the time and i thought it'd be really fun to ask you about it obviously people who do start tracking um and and get getting their head around this um they obviously a lot of people don't necessarily want to do this for the rest of their lives weighing out food tracking food how would you kind of advise the transition between tracking into kind of quote unquote intuitive eating what would you advise basically so yes this is this is something that cal so calorie counting as you say is just a mechanism people think it's a diet it's not it's just a kind of tool to follow uh, you know the principle um definitely you don't nobody is going to want to track everything they eat for the rest of their life yeah and unfortunately that's where um, counting calories can get criticism because people say they become too obsessive or maybe even develop, you know, disordered eating or worse still eating disorders. But in, in a lot of other cases, that's not true. So my advice for that would be it's a temporary education. So yeah. you're, you're at a starting point. You need information that's going to help your goal, which is calorie control. You need to know the calories in the foods that you're eating. Once you understand them, you're going to know that for the rest of your life you're going to be able to eyeball portion sizes and you're not going to have to weigh everything. But for those initial few weeks, or maybe it'll take a couple of months, depending on how varied your diet is, if you stick to the same foods all the time, you're probably quickly going to be able to eyeball portion sizes. But I would always view it as a temporary education that's going to be a lifelong information that's going to be so relevant to to your goals. And weighing things like someone in, in the Facebook group, yes, it was like, oh my God, I'm, I've just started this new year. I'm now weighing my lettuce. It's getting a little bit too no. much. Like, okay. No. <laughs> this is precisely why you need to understand how much calories in the food. Because if you did, you would understand you wouldn't need to weigh the lettuce because it's got virtually no calories in it. So it's, yeah. it's people just not understanding the very basics. But once they do, they'll understand things like, oh, actually, you know, 40 grams of peanut butter has got all of, all of those kind of 200 odd calories in it. Whereas... You know, this box of uh, strawberries has got like, I don't know, 60 calories in it and it's massive. So it's understanding these different things that calories doesn't necessarily equate to volume of food, but never recommend someone to do it for the rest of their life. I'd always push it as a a temporary education. And then in the future, that's you're going to be able to remember what portion sizes look like and just use your intuition. So it's not intuitive eating, it's intuitive eating via information that you already know absolutely i couldn't agree more it's a means to an end tracking is a foundation from which to build your own diet from and it is a means to an end and only when you have as exactly the term that graham used eyeballing only when you can eyeball your food are you ready to intuitively eat but it's certainly not a place to start what are your views on intuitive eating i was going to say yeah the problem i have with intuitive eating is, is almost exactly what you were saying there if you have an individual that is totally un- uneducated with regard to the basic calorie amounts in the food that they eat and another individual that is that other individual that is educated is going to have a much better time intuitively eating they're going to achieve achieve their goals because they know what's happening whereas the other person who isn't probably isn't so that's yeah. why the intuitive eating message that is again aimed at everybody everybody nobody should track calories you just you know eat until you're full, all these kind of things. Yes, that might be a good message for some people, but for some people, it's the exact opposite of what they need to achieve their goal. And and it's this kind of, again, this kind of extreme message that it has to be the same for everyone, which just isn't very, isn't very useful. 
given that I look up to you so much and I follow, I've been following you for years and I'm such a fan, I just feel like really like happy and humbled that we're so aligned on so many You're, you're the celebrity. You're the celebrity. You're, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> my parents are celebrities. I've just been blessed with their name and then I married another name. So I'm just riding on the coattails of everyone. Um, all right. Well, it's been so amazing having you. As always, Graham, do you want to just leave anybody? Do you want to promote anything or leave anybody with a message or both going into 2021 that you think uh, they'll benefit from reading, seeing, buying, or just knowing before they they stop listening? Um, yeah, well, I actually have a new book out today, yes! <laughs> which is, which is the, the second one. Um, I didn't know it was out today. You're coming yeah, on to- my podcast that, on pub date. Yes. Well, I'm not doing it. I'm just sitting at home like everyone else. So it's, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's called Still Tasty. And what it is, it's um, it's just 100 recipes that were voted for by my Instagram audience. And what I've done is, is you've got things like burgers, pizzas, fry-ups, desserts. So it's all their kind of favorite recipes. And I decided I could, or I thought I could make them lower calorie. And I think I've done a pretty good job. And what I've done is in each recipe, it shows the, the original calorie value of what it would be and what it is now with this recipe and just clearly showing where the swaps are. So it's it's just easy things like, you know, swapping olive oil for the spray oil or reducing the olive oil yes. or swapping Greek yogurt for 0% fat or beef mints for 5%, you know, just seamless yeah. swaps that have massive reduction in calories. And that's that's basically what it is. Obviously, I'm not a chef, but they do taste pretty good. <laughs> Oh, Jeannie, but you're preaching to the choir. My book is all calorie and macro breakdowns and I, it's yeah. not got the same premise at all, but it's a, it's a cookbook. And it's all like basically recipes that I knew my audience would crave if they were in a fat loss style or whatever, or if they were trying to eat really healthy. But it's exactly that. It's like, well, we'll just swap that for that and we'll swap that for that. And there you go. There's 400 calories for a meal that would have been 900, you know? Yeah. How did you find cooking them when you were testing them? <laughs> I was like, I'm not a chef. I think I must have said that sentence to my publish- publishers like every week, the best part of the year. Like, I'm not a chef. I'm not a chef. But like, you know what it is? I don't think that, I think people who want chefy books aren't going to buy our books anyway. People are going to buy I, our I books agree. want, yeah, they want quick, easy, painless. Oh, this is going to get me fit, healthy, fat loss, hypertrophy. Whatever. That's all they want. Yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people aren't chefs, and they're and <laughs> pretty good, pretty good food. We fall into that category, but like you said, we, we've published something that could really help people, particularly now with with lockdown, with people probably less able to go out and enjoy food, maybe yeah. trying to trying to enjoy food at home a little bit more. And if it, if they can both if both books can kind of be beacons of hope during this difficult time then you know that that would be a good thing anyway right okay we could go on forever so let's wrap it up but thank you so much graham and enjoy lockdown 2.0 and everybody else i will see you next week for another episode of the podcast goodbye that does it for today's episode thank you guys so much for listening please remember to hit that subscribe button or that follow link so that you can be notified as soon as new episodes are released and don't forget to follow me on instagram at madely chloe for more health and fitness posts I thought personally if I got it I'd be fine young people and sports people we think we'd be okay but the truth is that it can hit any of us hard like I hate not being able to play GA not go out and socialise with my friends the sacrifices are the only way so we really need to help each other along the way Behind every case there's a story protect yourself and each other be antiviral hear more at antiviralireland.com supported by the Government of Ireland Podcast Network.